Dr. Thorndike, Dr. Richard H. Thorndike, yes. hold it. Who are you? Oh, I'm Brophy. I work at the Institute. I came to pick you up. I'm going to be your driver and sidekick. Oh, how do you do? Uh, why the uh, picture taking? Oh, I love to take pictures. I'm very photogenic. I even developed them myself. I have my own darkroom. Please hold the camera, Doc. I'll get the trunk. Oh, fabulous. I got it. I got it. I got it. I ain't got it. And welcome to the eighth episode of the Jim Church School of Digital Underwater Photography. I am Mike Haber. And I'm Mike Mezgleski. We're going to want you to put your thinking caps on today because we're going to talk about a little bit of technical stuff. We're going to talk about size and why it matters. Well, size uh, in relation to camera sensors, that is. Well, since there's so much for us to cover today... Why don't we just strap ourselves in and get right to it? Certain camera and lens controls are universal. Regardless of equipment model or manufacturer, if you set several different camera and lens combinations the same way, they will produce the identical exposure. For instance, ISO is the international standard used to assign a numerical value to light sensitivity. ISO 100 means the same thing to me shooting a digital point-and-shoot camera here in Miami as it does to a photographer in China using a digital SLR camera. Aperture is another example. When I set my Nikon lens to an aperture of f8 and Mike sets his Canon lens to an aperture of f8, we each can expect the same value of light to travel through our respective lenses onto our camera's image sensor. Time measurement is also universal. A sixtieth of a second shutter speed is a sixtieth of a second anywhere you go. Unless, of course, you're traveling at the speed of light on the Starship Enterprise. But then, if you actually believe you're on the Starship Enterprise, well, I'm guessing you should be listening to another podcast. So in summary, if we all set our cameras, regardless of model or manufacturer, to the same ISO, f-stop, and shutter speed, and photograph the same scene at the same time from the same distance, our images will be exactly the same, but only in terms of exposure. The picture area we ultimately capture will be determined by the lens, more specifically, the focal length of the lens we choose to use. Focal length determines the angle of view of a given lens, or how much of a scene our lens sees. A fixed focal length lens, such as a 50mm lens, sees only one angle of view. But a zoom lens with a range of focal lengths, such as a 12-24mm to 24 millimeter lens, sees an adjustable angle of view. For us digital shooters, it's important to know that the angle of view of a lens is also affected by the size of the image sensor of whatever camera that lens is attached to. In the past, 
a camera was defined by the size of the film it used. This was called its film format. Cameras that used the very popular 135 film belonged to the 35mm format group. Cameras that used the larger 120 film belonged to the medium format group. Lenses were designed specifically for those film formats. For example, a 50mm lens made for a 35mm format camera was considered a normal lens because its angle of view produced an image or field of view in the same perspective as seen by the human eye. But because 120 film was larger, a 50mm lens made for a medium format camera captured a much greater field of view and was instead considered a wide angle lens. Although the two 50mm lenses had the same angle of view, the medium format camera captured more of it due to its larger film. Well, the same thing holds true today, but with digital image sensors instead of film. Unfortunately, the variety of image sensor sizes is almost as numerous as the number of camera manufacturers. No longer limited to specific film sizes, camera manufacturers have created a wide range of sensor lens combinations with specifications that often make it difficult for us to understand what the camera, and more specifically the lens, is going to see. We're going to try to make this a little bit easier to understand. Let's look at three examples of digital cameras with different size sensors and see how that affects focal length. We'll look at the Canon 5D camera with an image sensor equal to the size of a frame of 35mm film. The Canon 30D camera with an image sensor 63% smaller than a frame of 35mm film. And the Olympus SP350 point and shoot camera with an image sensor 4.7 times smaller than a frame of 35mm film. If we were to take the two Canon cameras and attach two identical 16mm lenses, the resulting images would be dramatically different. The 5D uses a full-size sensor, one that is equal to the size of a frame of 35mm film. So a 16mm lens with an angle of view of 108 degrees would produce an image with the exact field of view as when the lens is used on a 35mm film camera. This would be a very wide-angle image. Because the 30D employs a 63% smaller image sensor, the resulting image field of view would be 63% less. That means the 30D's sensor has a crop factor. It sees a smaller portion of the lens's angle of coverage. The 30D's crop factor is 1.6 because a frame of 35mm film is 1.6 times larger than the 30D's image sensor. By multiplying our actual 16mm focal length by the 1.6 crop factor, we get an effective focal length of about 26mm. The field of view of a 26mm lens is much narrower than the 16mm lens. So as you can see, when the sensor gets smaller, our wide-angle lens is not so wide after all. In this case, a 16mm lens translates to the equivalent of a 26mm lens. So in order to get the same field of view as our Canon 5D 16mm lens combination, we would have to use a 10mm lens with the Canon 30D to compensate for its smaller sensor. This combination would give us a 35mm film format equivalent of a 16mm lens. The term 35mm equivalence is of great importance to you digital point-and-shooters. Your cameras all come with zoom lenses and it's very important for you to determine what the actual zoom range means. 
each manufacturer will publish in the owner's manual a 35mm equivalence for the focal length of your camera's zoom lens. The Olympus SP350, for example, comes with a zoom lens that has a focal length range of 8 to 24 millimeters. Olympus's specification shows a 35 millimeter equivalence of 38 to 114 millimeters. That's a crop factor of 4.75. Now the 38 millimeter to 114 millimeter is a pretty common zoom range for this type of camera. And while that's a very useful range for topside photography, underwater we need less telephoto and more wide. In reviewing digital point-and-shoot cameras, we found that a 35mm equivalence of 28mm was the widest available. For underwater photography, that's not very wide at all. Consider too that most housings for point-and-shoot cameras come with flat ports. As a result of the water's magnification due to refraction, your wide-angle lens behind the flat port is even less wide than you thought. For digital point-and-shoot photographers, a supplementary wide-angle adapter is an absolute necessity in order to achieve adequate wide-angle coverage. Now, These adapters can either fit directly onto your camera or onto the camera housing. If you already own a housing, your housing manufacturer will be able to tell you what works best for your particular system. If you don't yet own a housing, make certain that anything you're considering can accommodate some sort of wide-angle adapter. Finally, we want to send you to the podcast aid page of our website, www.jimchurchphoto.com. Here we've provided you with several graphics that will illustrate angle of view, sensor size comparison, and focal length. We've also created a chart that compares several lenses with focal lengths common to underwater photography. For the purpose of comparison, we've also included the Nikonos family of lenses in the chart. Ooh, that is a lot to cover in one podcast. I'm sure you guys are going to have to listen to that more than one time to get it under your belt. Anyway, we also want to make sure that you go to the website and take a look at those charts. It'll help you understand what we were talking about. So keep those emails coming in to podcast at jimchurchphoto.com. It really helps us to understand what you guys are looking for and what you want us to discuss on upcoming podcasts. So for now, this is Mike Mizgleski and Mike Haber, and we'll see you next time. Good work. Very good work, Brophy. Unfortunately, it will never be seen. I've got to destroy the negative. Give us the negative, Brophy. You'll never get it. Never. Never, do you hear me? You'll never get this. I'd rather die first. Norton? Here.